1: Born in 1926, the Vietnamese Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh is one of the most influential spiritual leaders of our time. Thich Nhat Hanh, or Thai as his students call him, Thai means teacher, is author of more than 100 books, a copy of his Living Buddha, Living Christ, Never Leaves My Bedside. His spiritual journey began at the early age of seven when he felt the calling to become a monk. But this monastic has always been active on the world stage. In the early 60s, horrified by the escalating civil war in Vietnam, Thai spearheaded one of the great nonviolent resistance movements of the 20th century. Martin Luther King Jr. took notice and spoke out against the Vietnam War for the first time at Nat Han's urging, and later nominated Thich Nhat Hanh for the Nobel Peace Prize. In 1982, Tai established a monastery and retreat center in France, where thousands of followers still flock every year. He lives there today, devoting his life to mindful meditation, helping people to be passionately present in the here and now. What a treat it was to finally meet Thich Han on one of his trips to New York City. Well, thank you for the honor of talking to me today. Thank you for that. Already, just being in your presence for a short time, I feel less stressed than I did when I started out the day. Less stress because you have such a peaceful aura that follows you and that you carry with yourself. Are you always this content and peaceful?
2: This uh, is my training. This is my uh, practice. And we try to live uh, every moment like that, uh, relax. Mm -hmm. uh, Darling peacefully in the present moment. Mm -hmm and uh, respond to events with uh, compassion.
1: So in a moment where you are perhaps going to miss a plane or be late for an appointment or something is causing you to be stressful, you do what?
2: Go back to my uh, breathing and um, try to uh, be in that moment uh, deeply because uh, there is a possibility to handle uh, every kind of um, event. And the essential is to keep uh, the peace uh, in yourself.
1: Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break.
0: No two travelers are exactly alike. And that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, Visually led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit traveltexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters yours. That's traveltexas.com slash get your own. Macy's mother's day gift guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special shop by price like 25 and under to 100 and under category like fragrance, handbags, and more or gift lists like for the mom who has everything gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana devotion, eau de parfum, coach floral printed leather Cassie crossbody bag, and Le Creuset shallot Dutch oven. Shop at macy's.com giftfinder So let's start with
1: 1926, born in Vietnam. Any wonderful memory that you can share of your childhood, your favorite childhood memory?
2: One day I saw the picture of the Buddha on a Buddhist magazine and he was sitting on the grass. How old were you? Uh, seven, eight. And uh, he was uh, sitting on the grass, very peaceful, smiling, and I was impressed. Uh, around me, people were not like that. so. I had the desire to be someone like like him. And I nourished that kind of desire uh, until the age of 16 when I had the permission of my parents uh, to go and ordain as uh, a novice monk.
1: Did your parents encourage you or were they reluctant for this to happen to you?
2: In the beginning, they were reluctant because they thought that uh, the life of a monk is uh, hard difficult.
1: So this desire to become a monk started when you were seven years old? Yeah. Yes. And what did that feel like? What did those urgings, that sense of this is what I must do or must become, what did that feel like?
2: I would not be happy if I cannot become a monk. Uh, That is the feeling. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And uh, we call it the beginner's mind. Beginner's mind. Yeah. uh, The deep intention, the deepest desire that one person may have. And uh, I can say that uh, since that time until this, this day, this beginner's mind is still alive in me. It has given me a lot of uh, energy, uh, courage, in you know, order to confront all kinds of difficulties that I encounter.
1: How would you describe uh, beginner's mind? Is it, um, is it that, that desire, is it, is it your purpose, or is it your calling?
2: Everyone has a desire. But the desire to transform oneself, uh, to transform one's affliction, suffering, in order to get free and help other people and change the world, that is uh, a good uh, desire.
1: Yes. Yes. It's, it's what a lot of people refer to as passion. When you're passionate about your work. Yes. Yes, it's the way I feel about my work on um, most days.
2: And you enjoy
1: And I enjoy it, yeah. yes. And, and, and so if people follow their passion, it's like following their beginner's mind. So what is the life of a monk like? In this country, we just think of it, and I think a lot of people just think it's it's a lot of chanting and praying and being peaceful with yourself.
2: Living the life of a monk, I I got a lot of happiness and peace.
1: And it's a celibate life, the life yes. of a monk. You never as a boy dreamed of marrying or having children or had trouble with the idea of giving up marriage or children.
2: One day I was practicing uh, walker meditation in a park uh, in France. I I saw a uh, young lady, Mm. a young mother with a beautiful baby Mm -hmm. and in a flash I thought that if I was not a monk I would have a, a wife and a child like that. But that idea only lasted for one second, I thought. I, I knew right away that uh, my mission, my life is a monk, and is very strong, uh, and I, I don't get lost in that kind of uh, uh, deviation
1: of the mind. Yeah, yeah. Of the deviation mind. of the mind. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a flash, a flashing yes, moment, yes. having seen a woman and her.
2: I recognize it, and yes. I overcome it very quickly. Really. Yes.
1: And other than that, never uh, thoughts about it or a question, did I make the right decision Mm. or what could have been?
2: No. I think because uh, that intention is so strong that it can protect, it can uh, uh, keep you alive. Yes. Yes.
1: Let's talk about when you first arrived in America, you were a student at Princeton. And was it challenging for you as a Buddhist monk to form friendships with other students? Did you ever feel isolated or lonely in a world that uh, wasn't acquainted with Buddhist monks?
2: Well, uh, Princeton University, it was like a monastery. Uh, There were only uh, male students at that time, Mm -hmm. and the campus was very beautiful. And uh, everything was new, uh, the trees, uh, the birds, uh, the food, everything is new. But um, I practice uh, in order to get acquainted, to, uh, to be in touch with all these uh, wonderful things. Uh, the first time I, I, I use a radiator uh, uh, is a, a
1: radiator? A radiator,
2: yeah. Like a heater? A heater, the heater. Uh, was that was Princeton? In Princeton. Uh, and the first um, fall, in Princeton. It's beautiful when the leaves are falling. Leaves changing? Uh, and in Vietnam, we did not see things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. At the time, were you wearing your monk robes? Yes, yes. Yeah. Is there a purpose for the robe, other than just to clothe your body?
2: Uh, to remind yourself
1: mm-hmm. that you are a monk. That you are a monk. Yeah. And what does it mean to be a monk?
2: To be a monk is uh, to have uh, the time, enough time, to practice for your transformation and healing Mm -hmm. and uh, after that to help uh, with the transformation and healing of other people around you.
1: Are most monks enlightened or seeking enlightenment?
2: Enlightenment uh, is always there when you breathe in and if you are aware that you are alive Mm -hmm. and that is already a miracle. And the greatest miracle is to still be alive.
1: Are you touching that space all the time? Because I get the impression often that everybody's just running in different directions, but not doing exactly what you just said, touching the miracle that you are alive.
2: With a practice, you can always remain alive in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to the teaching and the practice, uh, it is possible to live happily right in the here and the now. And in our tradition, the practice of mindful breathing and the practice of mindful walking always help us to go home to the present moment in order to live deeply uh, every moment of our daily life.
1: So it's about being aware and grateful for what we have in our lives. Yes. And not just the material, but for the fact that breath—that we do have our breath.
2: If you are fully present in the here and the now. You need only to make a step or to take a breath in order to enter the kingdom of God. Happiness is possible in the here and the now. And once you have touched the kingdom, you don't need anymore to run after objects of your craving, like power, fame, sensual pleasure, and so on.
1: Okay, so what if in this moment of mindfulness, you are being... Challenged? Do you go to your breath yeah. then, or do you just not resist this challenging situation? The first mindful thing you do.
2: breathing and recognize the feeling, recognize the situation, and and let uh, help us not to uh, to give ourselves uh, to to be overwhelmed by by uh, the negative feeling like fear or anxiety, and you are still yourself. It's like a mother. Uh, when the baby is crying, yes. as she picks up the baby as she holds um, the baby tenderly in her arms. Your pain, your anxiety is your baby. You have to take care of it. You have to go back to yourself, recognize the suffering in you, embrace the suffering, and you get a relief. And if you continue with your practice of mindfulness and concentration, you understand the roots, the nature, of that ill being and you know the way to transform it.
0: This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Something should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 Is the service mark of the pnc financial services group inc pnc bank national association member fdic the next generation of influential black voices can be found on npr's new collection black stories black truths black stories black truths is a celebration of blackness from npr each of npr's black voices are as distinct varied and nuanced as the black experience itself in the black stories black truths collection you'll hear stories of joy you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
1: You talk about feeding our happiness. How do we feed our happiness?
2: Happiness uh, is a living thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to feed our happiness in order for our happiness to last. It's like love. If you don't feed your love, it will die. And uh, the practice of mindfulness is to cultivate understanding and compassion. Mm -hmm. And that is the foundation of happiness. And understanding is first the understanding of the suffering inside of you.
1: You use the word suffering a lot. Many people think suffering is you know, uh, dire, starvation, um, poverty, not having enough, um, you know, food or clothing, or when we think of suffering, but there are a multitude, there are many ways of, of suffering. When you speak of suffering, you mean what?
2: I mean uh, the fear, the anger, the despair, the anxiety in us. Mm-hmm. Because if we know how to to deal with the suffering, remove the suffering, and then we'll be able to handle problems of uh, uh, of war and uh, poverty and uh, conflicts. If we we have uh, fear and uh, despair in us, we cannot do anything to help remove uh, the suffering in society.
1: Do you feel sorry for the world? Having this practice and knowing this peace and being able to walk around in your community, do you feel sorry for the world and where we, where we seem to be headed and all the strife and suffering of the world?
2: Once you have understanding of your own suffering, compassion arises in yourself and you know how to, to transform your own suffering. And with that, you can help other people do the same. Peace begins with yourself. Understanding and compassion begin with yourselves. We have uh, the practice of tea meditation. Uh Mm -hmm. Tea meditation. Yeah. So when you uh, pick up your tea, you might like to uh, breathe in in order to uh, bring your mind back to your body and become completely um, fully present in the here and the now. I don't think of the past anymore. I don't think of the future anymore. I am free from the past, from the future. And there is a real encounter between me and the tea. And peace, happiness, and joy is possible during the time I drink my tea.
1: Well, I never had that much thought about a cup of tea.
2: It takes uh, one hour to just enjoy a cup of tea. A cup of tea like this? Yes. One hour. Brotherhood and sisterhood. Uh, And uh, every moment is a moment of happiness.
1: We've been talking about mindfulness and you've mentioned mindful walking. How How are we mindful in our walking?
2: When you touch the ground mindfully, and every step can bring you solidity and freedom and joy. When you breathe out, you might like to make another two steps or three, and you say, I'm home, I'm home, I'm home. I have arrived arrive, I'm home, home, home. My home should be in the here and the now, because only in the here and the now that you can touch life with all the the wonders. And you are free from your regret concerning the past, you are free from your fear about the future, and you can touch life deeply with every step. Mm -hmm.
1: Let's go back to 1966 when you were invited to speak at Cornell. And shortly after that, you weren't allowed back into your country and were exiled for 39 years. How did you deal with those feelings? First of all, what did you feel at the time?
2: I have left my community at home. I was like a bee taken out of the beehive. Mm -hmm. And if I don't practice, and then I will dry up. Did you
1: feel sadness?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Did you allow yourself to feel the sadness?
2: In the first year of my being exiled, I, I dreamt, uh, almost every night, of going home.
1: Can you explain to us, for people who don't understand, you were not allowed back in the country because you were, in essence. Uh, a peaceful warrior? You were practicing peace, they didn't appreciate your Buddhism. What was the reason you weren't allowed back in the country?
2: During the war, Well, the warring parties um, all uh, declared that they wanted to fight until the end. And those of us who tried to speak out against the war, to speak about uh, reconciliation, between brothers and brothers. Mm-hmm. They didn't want us to raise our voice.
1: So when you were a man without a country, you made another country, made a home in yes. other countries. And the United States was one of them. Yes. How did you meet Martin Luther King?
2: Mm, in uh, June the first, uh, 65, I wrote him a letter explaining to him uh, why the monks in Vietnam il- immolated themselves by fire. Uh, I said that this is not a suicide because in a difficult situation like Vietnam, to make your voice heard is difficult. So sometimes we have to burn ourselves alive in order for our voice to be, to be heard around. So that is out of uh, compassion that you do that. There's the act of love and not of despair. Um, and uh, Jesus Christ um, died in the same spirit, out of love being hung on the cross. And, and exactly one year after June 1 '66, uh, I met him in um, Chicago, and we had that discussion about um, peace, freedom and uh, community. And uh, we agreed with that without a community, we cannot go very far.
1: How long was the discussion Mm -hmm. with him?
2: 45 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. And after that, there was a press conference, and he came out very strongly against the war in Vietnam.
1: Do you think that that was a result of your conversation with him?
2: I believe so. Uh And uh, after that, uh, we continue our work. And uh, the last time I met him was in uh, Geneva during a peace oh. conference called Passem Interis.
1: There's an interesting story from that I heard, that you were running late. Can you tell me that story?
2: Martin Luther King uh, invited me up for breakfast to talk uh, over these issues again. And uh, I was caught in a, con- in a press conference downstairs. I came late. He kept uh, the breakfast uh, warm for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the conversation, I was able to tell him that the people in Vietnam call him a bodhisattva, enlightened mm-hmm. being, because of what he was doing for his uh, people, his country, uh, for the world.
1: And the fact that he was doing it nonviolently.
2: Yes. That is the work of a bodhisattva, of a Buddha, of an enlightened person always with compassion and Uh non-violence. And uh, when I heard of his uh, assassination, I could not believe it. I thought that uh, the American people have produced King, but uh, are not capable of preserving him. I was a little bit angry at that time. Uh I did not eat, I did not sleep. But my determination to continue the work, building the beloved community continues always. Always. Yes.
1: Yes. What makes you laugh?
2: Anything that can help us laugh. Uh, If you talk to our young monastics, you find out. You laugh?
1: Do you laugh a lot?
2: Yes. We laugh. We smile a lot in our community.
1: You refer to, I can't remember which book, but you talk about deep listening also.
2: Deep listening is the kind of listening that can help uh, relieve the suffering of the other person. Uh, you can call it uh, compassionate listening. You listen with only one purpose, help him or her to empty his heart. And if you remember that uh, you are helping him or her to suffer less, and then even if he say things full of wrong perceptions, full of bitterness, you are still capable to continue to listen with compassion. Because you know that listening like that, with compassion, you give him or her a chance to suffer less. If you want to help him or her to correct his perception, and then you wait for another time, but for this, the time being, you just listen with compassion and help him or her to, to suffer less. And one hour like that can bring transformation and healing.
1: So I love this idea of deep listening because oftentimes when someone comes to you and they want to really vent, they want to purge whatever is going on inside them, people start talking and giving advice. So if you allow the person just to let whatever those feelings are to come out, and then at another time come back to them with your advice or your comments, you would would experience a a, a deeper healing. That's what you're saying.
2: Yes, Uh, the fear, the anger and the despair is born on the ground of wrong perception. And we have wrong perceptions concerning ourselves and the other person. And that is the foundation for conflict and war and violence. You've said that
1: the only way we can begin to end war is, be, is, is due to communication between people.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we should be able to say like this, Dear friends, dear people, I know that you suffer a lot. I have not understood enough of your difficulties and suffering. It's not our intention to make you suffer more. It is the opposite. So please tell us about your suffering, your difficulties. I'm eager to learn to understand. You have to start like that, loving speech. And if you are honest, if you are true, they will open their heart and tell us. And then we practice compassionate, deep listening. And during the process of deep listening, we can learn so much about our own perception and their perceptions. Mm-hmm. And that is... The best way, the only way to remove a uh, terrorism.
1: Terrorism or even difficulties between your, yourself and yes. family members or friends. Yes. And the principle is the same no matter the conflict. Yes. Terrorists, anti-terrorists, yes. father and son. Right. Yourself and your boss. Right. Yourself and your children, your best friend. Yes. Is there ever a place for anger?
2: Anger is the energy which people use in order to act. Uh, But when you are angry, you are not lucid. And you might do wrong things. That is why compassion is a better energy. And the energy of compassion is very strong.
1: You've said um, in one of your most popular books, Living Buddha, Living Christ. What do you see the similarities between Buddha and Christ?
2: Jesus Christ is uh, a Buddha of the West. And his teaching is also about understanding and compassion. In the gospel, there is also the teaching of living happily in the present moment. In the gospel, um, according to Matthew, he said that uh, uh, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care Care of itself. It's very clear and uh, give us um, the bread of today. Uh, We care about today, we live today. And if we know how to handle uh, the present moment, we don't have to worry much about the future. If the present moment has peace and joy and happiness, and then the future will have also.
1: The nature of Buddhism, as I understand, is to believe that we are all pure and radiant at our core. And yet we see around us so much evidence that people are not acting out of a sense of purity and, and, and radiance. How do we reconcile that?
2: Well, happiness and um, suffering, they support each other. They inter-are.
1: They inter-are.
2: Inter-are. To be is to inter-be. It's like uh, the left and the right. If the left is not there, the right cannot be there. Mm -hmm. So the same thing is true with uh, suffering and happiness. Mm -hmm. Good and evil, they inter-are also. In every one of us, there are good seeds and there are uh, bad seeds.
1: And that's just the nature of being human. Yeah.
2: There is the lotus that grows out of the mud. We need the mud in order to make the lotus. You cannot grow lotus on marble. You have to grow it. On the mud. Mud. So, suffering is the kind of mud that we must be able to use in order to grow the flower of understanding and love.
1: Do you meditate every single day?
2: Not only every day, but every moment. Mm. While drinking, while uh, uh, talking, while writing, while uh, watering our garden, it's always possible to practice uh, living uh, in the here and the now. That's what we call meditation.
1: But do you ever sit silently with yourself and... Yes.
2: We sit. Recite a mantra
1: or not recite a mantra?
2: We sit alone, we sit together. Mm-hmm.
1: The more people you sit with, the better. All right
2: yeah, the, uh, the collective energy is very helpful. I like to talk about the mantras that you just mentioned. Uh, the first mantra is... Uh, Darling, I'm here for you. When you love someone, the best thing you can offer him or her is your presence. How can you love if you are not there? That's a lovely
1: mantra. Darling, I'm here for you.
2: And you look into his eyes and you say, Darling, you know something? I'm here for you. You offer him or her your presence. Mm. And your true presence, you are not preoccupied with the past, or the future, your project, you are for your beloved one. The second mantra is Darling, I know you are there, I am, and I am so happy. Because you are truly there, you recognize the presence of your beloved one as uh, something very precious. Mm. And you use your mindfulness to recognize that, embrace your beloved one with mindfulness, and she will bloom like a flower. To be loved means to be, to be recognized as existing. Oh. And uh, these two mantras can bring happiness, happiness right away. Even if uh, you, uh, the, your beloved one is not there, you can use your telephone and practice the mantra.
1: Darling, I'm here for you. Yeah. And darling, I know you're there.
2: The third mantra is what you practice when your beloved one suffers. Darling, I know you suffer. That is why I am here for you. Before you do something to help her, to help him, your presence already can bring some relief.
1: And the acknowledgement
2: of the the
1: suffering or the hurting.
2: And the fourth mantra is a little bit more difficult. That is when you suffer. And you believe that your suffering has been caused by your beloved one. So you suffer so deeply. Mm and you prefer to go to your room and close the door and suffer alone, yes. you get hurt. And you, you, want to, you want to punish him or her for having made you suffer. Yes. And the mantra is to overcome that. The mantra is, darling, I suffer. I am trying my best to practice. Please help me. You go to him, You go to her and practice that. And if you can bring yourself to say that mantra, you suffer less right away.
1: Darling, I suffer. Please help me. Please help me. So I'm going to ask just a few questions about monkdom. Do you exercise to stay in shape?
2: Yes. Uh, We have the 10 mindful moments. We do walk-in meditation every day. We um, practice mindful eating.
1: Are you vegetarian? Yes,
2: or vegetarian, complete. Uh,
1: vegetarian? Yeah. So you wouldn't eat an egg?
2: No egg, uh, no, no milk, milk no milk. cheese All anymore. Right. Anymore. Because we know that um, mindful eating can help save our planet. Do you watch television? No. But uh, I'm in touch with uh, the world. Mm-hmm. If anything happened, anything really important happened, and someone, someone will. will tell me.
1: That's the way I feel. Yeah. I feel that way too. Yeah,
2: you don't have to listen to the news three times a day.
1: Can you be a woman and be a monastic? Uh,
2: are, are women allowed? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, we have uh, monks and nuns uh, living in their own quarters. and uh, So if you're female, you're called a nun? Yes. And uh, they can practice together uh, two times uh, uh, a week, uh, sitting meditation, walking meditation. So it's very joyful.
1: My favorite book of yours is No Death, No Fear. What happens when we die, do you believe?
2: It's like um, a cloud in the sky. When the cloud is no longer in the sky, it doesn't mean that the cloud has died. The cloud is continued in other forms, like rain or uh, snow or ice. So you recognize you can recognize your cloud in her new forms. If you are very fond of a beautiful cloud, and if your cloud is no longer there, you should not be sad. Your beloved cloud may have become the rain calling on you, Darling, darling, don't you see me in my new form? And then you will not struck with grief and despair. Your beloved one continues always, Meditation helps you to recognize her continued presence in new forms. And our nature is the nature of no birth and no death, the nature of a cloud also. A cloud can never die. A cloud can become snow or hail or, uh, or rain, but it is impossible for, for, for a cloud to pass from being into non-being. And that is true with your beloved one. She has not died. She is continued in many new forms. And you can look deeply and recognize herself in you and around you.
1: It's been my honor to talk to you today. Thank you. My honor. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a
0: place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday, and french fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion, and seafood is
1: always in season where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at
0: ociocean.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
2: of a detour.